What's up, everybody? This is The Daily Radical with Chris and Micah. Chris is out today. Angela's having those two baby boys, and we are super excited for them. I'm riding solo. We're going to have a great show today. Let's get started. Okay, welcome to The Daily Radical. We're so glad that you've joined us once again for this podcast. Again, Chris is out today. He is welcoming his two twin boys into the world. Make sure to comment, send him a message on Instagram. Tell him congratulations. We are super pumped to meet his new family, new members of his family. It's a wonderful, wonderful time praying for Angela and those little baby boys. We know God is going to protect them and we cannot wait to meet them. Today, if you are a first time listener, we are so glad that you've joined us. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Spotify and download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to ring the notification bell on YouTube so that you get notified every time we drop new videos. I'm all by myself today, but next week, Chris is going to be back with us and we're going to continue going through the latest topics and what's going on in our world during this coronavirus uh, shutdown. So today I had some interesting uh, thoughts on some things that are going on. And so let me start with this. In New York, the governor and uh, Andrew Cuomo, I believe his name is, he uh, came out and was on CNN and he made an interesting statement about God. And I'm not sure if he was trying to attack God or Christians or the church or whatever. It could be this ongoing debate that's going on between the church and the state about whether or not church uh, is essential. A lot of pastors are really bucking up against this trend. We've been covering this a lot, talking about this a lot in the podcast about pastors that refuse to shut their doors, like the Rodney Howard Browns and the Tony Spells down there in Louisiana and Florida, respectively. But they're not the only ones. There's a lot of pastors all over America that argue, as I do, that church is essential. The question for, for me that I've posed and that we've talked about a lot is, do you have to go to a building and gather physically together to actually be going to church. And Chris and I have had those discussions and you'll recall. Um, but Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, comes out speaking and, and he says to, uh, to the, the media on CNN, he says, uh, as governor of the state that, was, that has been by far the most affected by the pandemic, Cuomo stressed the number of new cases is down, he says, because we brought the number down. He goes on to say, God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that, he stressed. A lot of pain and suffering did that. Now, obviously, whenever a politician starts talking about God in a negative light, that's going to raise some eyebrows. And so I, for me, when I heard this, it wasn't much of a surprise. I, I am used to, and I kind of have this perspective that there is a general sense of anti-God anti-faith, uh, anti-religion sentiment in the world today. And so to see politicians talk like this isn't surprising. I think what's surprising is the lack of uh, response from the Christian community and the lack of uh, people that it, it kind of offends. And it's pretty offensive to me. That's a pretty offensive statement. Now, I'm not going to go as far to say that everything in the world that happens uh, is a response from God. Uh, what I mean by that is to say that, you know, when someone gets healed, for instance, like they naturally, they recover. Uh, 
did God heal them uh, or did they recover naturally? And I think that's an okay debate to have because I'm not just going to attribute every good thing on this planet that happens uh, as a direct result of God. I think in order for me to do that, now the apostle, I believe it was the apostle Paul that did say every good and perfect gift comes from the father above. So it is true to say that good things when they do happen to us are a result or a uh, response. It is a, an effect of a good and gracious God. But that's not to say that every good thing that happens to everybody is the direct result of God's goodness. In other words, I'm, that's not to say that God made that thing happen. So there are times when someone can be healed, for instance, recover, and it wasn't necessarily God that uh, healed them. And I think that's the, the difference, that sometimes people recover from sicknesses because their bodies uh, get stronger because of natural uh, sustainability in our bodies that God created. So you could argue, well, God ultimately is responsible. But I think the, the issue comes down to direct and indirect. Was, was God directly responsible for the recovery and healing of all these people? Or was he indirectly responsible because he's gracious to us and merciful to us and allows our bodies and created our bodies in such a way to uh, fight off infection and fight off viruses. So I think the, the answer here is the direct and indirect uh, nature of God. And I think that you have to have the same, we don't have to, you can always answer it however you want, but I think the same answer comes when you talk about evil. So if you're going to say that God healed or God did that, like God brought everyone and recovered, uh, helped everyone recover, then you're also going to have to figure out, well, did God cause all that pain and suffering and sickness in the first place. And as we've talked about before, and with Chris, we were talking about this, I would say that it wasn't that God, it's not that God caused any of this. He's not the uh, direct cause of the, the pain and the suffering, but some people might be able to levy the charge that indirectly uh, God uh, is, is in some way responsible. Uh, to that charge, I would say yes and no. I think that God made the ability for coronavirus to exist, but he's not the direct cause of that coronavirus. This is a typical argument that we see for evil. For instance, uh, just because someone uh, gets shot with a gun, this is a common argument in, in, in you know, the world today about gun violence. You know, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. We wouldn't lay the charge of murder on the gun manufacturer on Smith and Weston or Remington, for instance, you, the charge of murder goes on the person that actually took the gun and shot another person that committed the murder. Well, this is the difference between direct and indirect in my opinion. And so uh, I think that when Andrew Cuomo, although technically uh, you could argue that, that it is true that in some case that God may not have healed all those people from the coronavirus, uh, Ultimately, we know that because we, we ultimately, we know any kind of recovery that, that happens, it's by God's grace and mercy. So there's a few things going on. It's this underhanded, undertone, uh, God hatred, uh, and it is God hatred. I mean, these, this kind of rhetoric is, uh, as Paul said in the book of Romans, I think it was Romans 1, that, that they will become haters of God, like haters. They're just hating on, on faith, on God, on, on all this there's that general rhetoric. But then if we're, if we're actually being 
uh, critical in our analyses, we'd have to say that, that not all of these people were healed by God. But I think it is fair to say that God allowed all these people to recover. And so what do I mean then? Uh, I do think there's a difference between when someone is healed, a, a actual miracle, because God does that, and he still does that, by the way. That can happen. And I think we've seen a number of these, these cases where people, it can't be explained. Uh, full recovery, they should have they died, their body was shutting down, their system was shutting down, and but somehow they, they came out of it. Uh, that wasn't mitigation. That wasn't, uh, you know, uh, a, a magic or miracle drug that they took. No, it was God healed them. And this isn't just for coronavirus. We've seen this happen for cancer. We've seen this happen for many diseases. Uh, God does and can and does heal. Uh, but I, I think that we have to be careful with this kind of rhetoric that, and, and we need to be careful how we think about it. And I think coming from the state, uh, coming from the Governor Cuomo over here, I think it's just uh, further perpetuating this idea of of God hatred, and uh, and so let me know what you think about that. I, I am curious to to have this discussion. But when I read this headline, obviously it's it's phrased in a way, and the, the headline is is positioned to to get that kind of reaction out of the church community, right? Like, oh, another anti God, another anti church, another anti faith politician no surprise there right like you, you see this often all the time uh but nonetheless i think it's something that we're we're dealing with in our in our country where we are becoming more and more secular we're coming more and more secular as a nation more people leaving uh faith not just christianity they're leaving faith um a lot of people are opting for a, a spirituality uh you'll hear this often right we, we hear this a lot I'm, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual, right? That's like, the, that's like the mantra of the millennial generation. None of us are religious. Like no, no one in our generation is religious because religion's a bad thing, right? Like uh, we, we need to, you know, we, we hear things like substitute your religion for relationship or something like this, you know? And I, I, I get what they're saying, but it, it's, it's kind of this establishment, you know, running away from, uh, the, the, the establishment of Christianity. And I think, it's a, I think it's a dangerous, dangerous place. I think the Bible teaches that there should be pure and undefiled religion, right? I think that there is something about uh, faithfulness to God. Now, religion can be a bad thing if it's just rules and tradition and, 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 and has an legality, legalism, and has nothing to do with relationship. It can be a negative thing. But you could say the same thing about Anything, anything can become a religion. Anything can become just a bunch of rules. So uh, I found that to be an interesting point today. Okay, another story that was, was jumped out to me and uh, along the same lines. And today uh, I really am focusing on religion in America and in, in this cultural, I think it's a, a cultural, not just a cultural war, but it's this, you can see the tension mounting, right? And it's getting kind of crazy. So in California, this is coming again into, into full view. In Mendocino County, up here in Northern California, uh, the county is now restricting churches from streaming worship uh, music and worship uh, instruments in online services. So what they're saying is they are no longer wanting churches to gather. Uh, that is to say, not like as a, as a full church, but just the band. 
just the worship to stream the online. They're saying you can't even do that anymore. You need to worship out of your home. You can't get together and sing at the church. It needs to be done out of your home. And this is punishable by jail time. Uh, according, this was on the Christian Broadcast uh, News and on their website, no singing or use of wind instruments, harmonicas, or other instruments that could spread COVID-19 through projected droplets <laughs> shall be permitted unless the recording of the event is done at one's residence and involving only the members of one's household or living unit. They go on to say the county board warns violation or of or failure to comply with this order is a misdemeanor punishable by fine, imprisonment, or both. This is crazy, right? Now it's not even the gathering together in this, in this restriction. The, the law isn't even talking about like getting together to sing. It's specifically talking about types of worship. And that to me is just absolutely crazy. It's, it's talking about, you know, string like wind instruments, like harmonicas and trumpets and, and whatever else. It's talking about doing that together is causing the spread of, of COVID-19. I, I think that we're getting a little bit crazy here. I think we're going a little bit too far here. Not, and perhaps, you know, this is, this is the discussion and we've mentioned this before on the show, but this is the danger of an overreaching state or government that gets a little bit of power and they're trying to exert their power and control upon us. And I get it. I'm all about stopping the spread. I'm all about saving lives. I'm all about, you know, protecting the vulnerable in our societies. I get all that, but where does this end? Like what? Like, now the type of worship, so it's not enough that we, we're not gathering in the same building. It's not enough that we're sending hundreds and thousands of people away uh, from our church services. It's not enough that we're, we're meeting in our own home. It's, it, now you have to come after our harmonicas? Like, really? I mean, is this really necessary? Is this really necessary? I mean, I get it. Let's stop the spread. Let's, let's flatten the curve. All these things you've been hearing about from the president and, and Dr. Fauci and all this stuff. Is it Fauci or Fauci? I don't know, however you say his name, whatever. But the, the point is, I'm all about that, but this seems to me a bit of overreach. <laughs> and I, I'm saying a, a bit of overreach there, very uh, uh, sarcastically. I think this is crazy uh, to threaten jail time. Now, obviously, will anyone actually go to jail because of this, what, who knows, not probably not for very long. But the point is, it's ridiculous that this is even a law. It's ridiculous that this is even uh, considered in, in Mendocino County. This is absolutely absurd. And it should get people uh, at least aware that religious liberty is a real thing. And where is the end to it? Now, again, I'm all about uh, stopping the spread. I'm all about saving lives. But where does it end? Where does this craziness end? I, I, it just seems to me that that things are getting a bit out of control 
Now, which leads me to the next topic. Before we get to that, make sure if you have not yet subscribed, make sure to do so on YouTube. Make sure to ring that notification bell and like this video so that you will get notified next time we drop another uh, podcast. And so also uh, download us, download the podcast on Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We're, we're all, over, uh, all over the place. So you don't want to miss out on any one of these. We have more episodes coming up every single week and we're excited about the response. Thank you guys for all the uh, mentions and all the downloads. We've already had a ton of people listening to our podcast. We want to say thank you for that. Been super, super supportive sort of thing. Uh, let me just go to this really quick and, and we're not going to take too much longer, but okay. In, in Michigan, they're already starting to talk about that. People are protesting. People are, 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 are angry. They're upset. This is coming from uh, the daily wires talking about this, but it's all over the place. You can, you can find this. Uh, a number of people are, are, are starting to protest. And in Florida, I think uh, it's, it's getting, getting even crazier. My, my question is on this issue, where should the church's response be? Now, of course, like I just got done 15, 20 minutes right now uh, expressing my frustration and some of my concerns with the religious liberties being trampled on and, and just ignored and pushed to the side and kind of this hatred of God, hatred of faith mentality. What should the church's response be? What's it going to look like, for instance, in the state of California? So President Trump comes out yesterday, says that states can start reopening uh, May 1st. And this is awesome. And we see states already starting to open back up. Uh, the the uh, governor of South Dakota, uh, she got a lot of flack. I don't remember her name. I think it's like Leon or something like this. Got a lot of flack. But I, I, have, I, I know someone in, in South Dakota. Maybe it's in North Dakota. I don't know. One of the Dakotas over there. And there's like like 20 people in North and South Dakota combined, right? I mean, so like population density is not a thing in the Dakotas. So is it, it's like, why are we giving them flack about this stuff? Like, it, it's so crazy. But the real question is, so what happens when, for instance, states like California, New York, uh, some of these blue states decide, and why this is becoming a political thing is, absolutely frustrating but of course this shouldn't be a shock to us everything in america today is political everything's political and it's absolutely annoying it's it's i've had enough of politics and it's like it's so it's so annoying but anyway uh, but what happens in, in for instance in california that's where that's where we, we do our podcast when i mean the governor's already come out and said may 15th you know this this lockdown is going to last till may 15th but they're talking about not allowing groups of over a hundred for over a year for like 12 to 18 months. Well, what, what is that? Like what, what happens to our churches? Do, do churches, number one, what should be our posture to, to uh, government overreach and government. Uh, and I do say overreach because I think that it's unreasonable. I think it's unreasonable to suggest some of these things. Now I was, I'm on board with it. Like I said, in the beginning and for a period of time, uh, because I think it's a reasonable request. I think, I think the request when it came down in March for, you know, stop gatherings of over 50, over 10, you know, like lockdown, shelter in place and all that. I was for that because it, it makes this, it made sense to let's limit the spread. But if you're telling me that this needs to be a way of life for the next 
12 to 18 months. Um, I think that's overreach. I think we're going too far with it. And my question now is, and I was having this conversation with, with some family and friends, what should the church's response be to this? You know, I, I get the question often from, from people like, should Christians be a part of some of these protests? Like for instance, it's going on in Michigan. Should we be involved in, in, in protesting and in, in, in a, this kind of mob thinking, right? Generally, I, I, say, I say no. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of protests in general. I, although I, what, what I mean by that is, you know, you know, standing on the street corner, picketing, you know, stuff like this, trying to, uh, you know, vocalize your, your, your disagreement. It's, it's, it's our liberty as Americans to do that. And I think it's a part of being an American. So I'm not like saying that you shouldn't ever, but as a general rule, uh, I think that Christians should think deeply before they, they hit the streets. Think about what kind of message you're sending. I don't know about you, but oftentimes my interaction with protesters, it hasn't always been like a positive thing. They, they, they typically have like this, and I might be wrong, you know, I'm just talking, just giving you my opinion and, you know, uh, podcasts, we're just, you know, just having this conversation. But, um, and if Chris were here, I would ask them, I would ask him what he, he thinks, because uh, for me, whenever I see a, a protest, it's always like kind of like got this like negative vibe, like a negative feeling. And it's, it's not, it's not something that I, I feel like Christians should be partaking in and participating in. Um, but then again, there's more than just one way to protest. You know, you don't have to have the picket signs and the blow horns and you know, all this stuff. You don't have to have all that. Uh, you can have protests without being crazy and there are peaceful protests and there are expressions of, of disappointment, disagreement. So there's ways to do it. And, and I'm not sure. And moving forward, I think we, we probably are going to have to start having these conversations about what is, what do protests look like for churches? Uh, for instance, like if you look at some of these churches that the pastors just refuse to uh, shut their doors, like in Louisiana and stuff like that. Well, in California, there was a church not too far from, from where I'm at that they tried to have church on a Sunday and the police department blocked people from going into the parking lot. So they, they physically shut down the church. Uh, I, I think that we are, we are on, a, on a place in our culture and society where some of these issues are going to start coming to light. And I think there needs to be a response from, from the church and from us as, as a people that is a biblical response, but yet also one that's going to send the right testimony, the right testimony to our society. And that's something that, that's something that I'm not sure that some of these guys that refuse to shut their churches down are thinking about. Of course, you know how I feel if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time. You know, like, I'm not a huge fan of the churches that aren't shutting their doors, or at least during the quarantine, changing how they do church. I, I don't like to say the church is shutting down, because the church is never going to shut down. Even if the government comes in with guns and says, you can't have service anymore, which I don't see that happening, by the way. Not yet. Uh, it could, though. And I think this whole situation should show you how quickly government can change and turn on society. But I don't see that's what's going on right now. But even if that were to happen, the church will never go away. I mean, just look at the church in China. You know, we have more churches underground. Christianity has more churches underground in China. Uh, 
that, that we even even have record that we even know about you know i hear i hear constantly about revivals and and, and stuff like this uh underground churches and uh the church will always exist you can't shut the church down you can't you can't stop prayer you can't stop worship you know and some of the some of the the, the best parts of this this COVID 19 you know yes there's been a lot of deaths to, today i think I, I read we're up to 33 34,000 deaths in in america um it's it's horrible it's it's that's not a good thing uh but that's not to say that that good things have not come out of this pandemic. And one of those is having church in our homes, uh, having that relationship with God, uh, having it in our families, in our houses. And for some people, you know, they've, they've never actually prayed with their entire family. For some people, I, I think that's probably true that they've never actually gotten their own family together and prayed. And that's, and that's like crazy to think about, but you know, uh, it is true. And so, I think that there, there is always, there's always going to be a church, no matter, no matter what happens. But I think that our response, our response is what matters. And so going, getting back to what I was saying is that I'm not sure some of these guys are pastors are, are thinking about what it looks like to the community, uh, the community they're trying to serve and, and pastor and reach uh, when they choose to have service and they choose to defy and to, to disregard. Um, and I think that should go into consideration as well when we decide as a church, because I think there is a collective, I think there is a, that there is a, a collective movement, uh, uh, especially I see it in the oneness movements that, that we're, we're kind of, we're all kind of in the same vein where we don't have too many dissenters. And, and I think once, when, when that decision is made, it has to be made in a way that is a good witness and a good testimony to everybody uh, that's watching, that everyone that's paying attention. And it sends the right message to our communities that says, hey, we love you guys. We want you. We, we want you to be a part of this, of our faith, of our church community. And we have the answer. We're not a bunch of rebels and just trying to, you know, overthrow or just trying to be, you know, uh, contentious, but, but, but we do care. And, and this is how we care. But at the same time, how long is it going to last? Like at, at some point there's going to have to be uh, a resistance like, like star Wars, you know? but there's, there, there's going to have to be some sort of uh, give and take. And I'm hoping that's coming soon. Um, I'm hoping it's going to, it's going to be going to be uh, not ugly, but God will give us wisdom. Well, that's all I got for you today. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. Chris will be back next week and we're going to be right back at it uh, together. And I'm excited for him again. He's having, uh, Angela's having the babies today. And so uh, send him a message on Instagram. Make sure to comment on the video. And uh, we're super excited to welcome that, those two babies uh, into the world. And we're excited for them. Again, make sure to subscribe uh, to our podcast. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, like the videos, all that stuff, you know, ring the bell, download the podcast. This is always, this has been such a blast. And so we, we hope you're enjoying it. We're going to be back next week with some more episodes. Thanks for tuning in for The Daily Radical. I'm Micah. Chris will be back next week. We'll see you next time. We'll